This episode is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad. Enjoy! It is the Chicagoverse podcast on the Dynasty Podcast Network, featuring interviews with Chicago's premier artists in industry and creatives and culture leaders. Hosted by Haima Black, welcome to Chicago. Dynasty Podcasts, live from Dynasty Studios in Pilsen, Haima Black, and I am here with a first-time guest on the podcast, Anna Russet. Am I saying your last name Russet. correctly? Russet. Okay. But that's what everybody says when they first meet me. That's okay. Everybody calls me Jamie, so... Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you are somebody who I'm glad we have on tonight because you and I were talking a while back about, you know, maybe doing some panels and mm-hmm. doing this and that the way yeah. that you do, and, uh, and you know, people get busy. Life. But now we're able to... I'm glad it tonight. worked out. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for coming up tonight. So with this podcast, we like to tell the story of, you know, people who are doing cool, creative work in Chicago. Yeah. And when people are on for the first time, we kind of always start at the beginning. So for you, how did, you know, becoming a creative and choosing this path kind of start in your life? I think like it depends on how far back we go. But I mean, definitely my parents influenced. My parents are both artists and graphic designers. And they have always been really encouraging to me since like a young age to like we always had Mac computers. They always had, you know, Photoshop or Quark, if anyone remembers Quark. Um, but that's like what I kind of was raised on. And I've always been somebody who's really loved computers and the internet. Ever since I had access, I, like around like probably 12 years old, I've been an early adapter to whatever is out there from role-playing forums to MySpace to... Oh my God. Oh yeah. Did you oh. have the sidekick? I, you know, I didn't. I oh, man. That was a little bit before my time. Okay, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I was like, you know, I probably would have loved it. <laughs> oh, the, the sidekick was like, they, they could make iPhones for the next 70 I years know. and they're never going to make a cooler I phone had, than the sidekick. See, I had like the whatever free Verizon phone was. Okay. Was you it know? a flip? It was a flip for a while, but then it turned into like one of those chocolate slidey things. Oh, yeah, Do you know, yeah. remember those? Like the aqua blue chocolate mm-hmm. LG. And then yeah. <laughs> um, I finally convinced my mom to let me get an iPhone when I moved here into Chicago, actually, in 2012. Wow. Yeah, so it's been a minute. But I mean, I've always been like an early adopter. I've loved technology and the internet. And I, when, you know, when social media first came around, social media or YouTube specifically, I immediately got on there and just started making videos of my myself and my life in like small town, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And from there, things just kind of spiraled, you know, back like 2008, 2010, that period of time on the internet, everything was kind of sans algorithm. Right. And the it was front, the wild, 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 right. really. Yeah, it is. And, and it was beautiful because the front page of YouTube was all creators. It wasn't ESPN. It wasn't Jimmy Kimmel. It wasn't all these fucking people paying to, can I cuss on here? Yes, absolutely. I was like, I always forget (laughs) where I'm at. Um, But okay. So, so yeah. So like, all of the, these places have completely changed over the past like decade. Absolutely. Um, but when I first got started, people were able to find each other, and that was awesome. That was why I loved social media so much. That's why I like spent all my time there, um, and I just started gaining gaining people. And then Instagram popped up, and I brought all of my people from YouTube all over to Instagram, and I've grown an audience over over hundred seventy thousand now. And I have created content for brands. I have worked, you know, in more of a traditional ad setting. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked at Havas Chicago for the past five years, um, went from intern to creative director, which is wild and very formative. And I left in January to pursue my own independent work. And it's been great. It's been weird. (laughs) So there's so much I want to pick apart in there. And I want to talk about your accomplishments, but I'm also equally just, I'm very 
interested and curious about your thoughts on social media kind of then versus, and I know that could be a nine hour podcast, (laughs) but like, I guess, you know, surface level, just kind of like, how do you feel about where social media is now for creators, for consumers, you know, Mm -hmm. the industry of it, all these things versus, you know, yeah, what it was like in 2008 when you're right, like YouTube and Google and Twitter, all these things were new and it Mm -hmm. was the wild, wild west. And it was so much easier to like, in my opinion, I think find community and connection Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. I agree. I mean, I think, well, if we look back at that time period, there wasn't the sort of advertising element yet. Like there wasn't the sort of like profitable part of social media just quite yet. Um, I mean, that quickly happened. And since then, you know, we've seen Facebook go from an organic space to a pay to play space <laughs> to, to oh, destroying to, the to just, yeah, to yeah. just like <laughs> a place where we should all leave. Just Nazi haven. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Horrible. Um, and I, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about this, but I, right now at this current state, I am pretty upset where social media is. I do think we have, like, I think there's a glimmer of hope to kind of change paths and to pivot where we're going, we have the technology to make this space incredible. Right. And 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 I know that because I experienced it in the beginning. Yeah. It was all there. Like and because our generation had the experience of being able to live through that time of like before the algorithm, like that couple of years, mm-hmm. like because I've experienced that, I think I can now have the the sort of mindset to change that for the future and I worry about younger generations who are growing up kind of in this app only like walled garden world mm-hmm. and not having the sort of experience that I did with a computer where I learned how to torrent, where I learned how to steal shit. I learned how to code. Like I did that because I had a computer and I got to figure it out myself and you can't do that with phones. No. And it was so much more, you know, not to be like, Oh, things were always better, back then. but it's like, I feel like there was a lot more authenticity and a lot more. Yeah. Communication. Now, Again, before we, I just want to get into like some of the things you're doing, Mm -hmm. but like with social media, do you think, let's say, you know, a kid's nine years old right now, do you think that kid's going to grow up and want to be on Facebook and Twitter? Or do you think the kids that are five, nine, 15 right now are going to develop some kind of other network or Mm -hmm. other destination? in a digital space, whatever that is, that isn't what we consider social media. Definitely. Like, well, I think, first of all, I think Facebook will be a space kind of almost like a birth certificate. Like, sadly, I think that a lot of kids that I've spoken to who are younger have a Facebook from their parents making it for them. So it's kind of almost just this, like, default, I have a social security number, I have a Facebook (laughs) account. Are you real? Yeah. Exactly. They might not inhabit it in the same way that we do now. Um, But I think a lot of kids, especially around nine years old, are on YouTube and they're on TikTok. (laughs) <laughs> that that's yeah. kind of where it's at right now. TikTok's a big one. <laughs> yeah, um, but I do think that. I mean, I I think years from now this space will look completely different. I do think we are in a pivotal time, and I'm excited for that. I agree. I miss when um, I miss when social media was fun, and I miss when I felt like there was a lot more community conversation yeah, with your, your own people versus you post a the slightest opinion like. I think I need more napkins. And suddenly, like, people are like, we are going to kill your grandma. <laughs> I know, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, there's no... I know. There's no in-between. <laughs> there's no middle space. Um, all right. So I was just kind of curious your thoughts on some social stuff, really surface level. Mm-hmm. But in your story, like, how do you go from being in Fort Wayne, Indiana, being this younger 
kid who loves the internet to, you know, landing at a space like Havas and then moving up the ranks because that's obviously a very notable, respected, uh, you know, institution in the marketing world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I think like I've always had that tendency. I remember growing up in Fort Wayne and and I love where I'm from, but I remember having this moment where I was like watching Nickelodeon and like they would be like asking for like casting calls but it said you had to be in LA or Florida. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, holy sh- why do we live in Indiana? Why did we move here? <laughs> and then I remember like as I was growing older. Mom and dad, why did we live somewhere I where we can't- Continually like, asking them that. On a Nickelodeon show. Sorry, mom. Why was that not the number one <laughs> stipulation that was, that was, when you yes. put down the money for the mortgage? I was like, I do not understand. Yeah. Um, and then growing up, I wanted to be a magazine editor. And mm-hmm. so I'm following magazines like Nylon or Teen Vogue and I'm reaching out. I, I started like cold calling or basically cold, cold emailing as I think Chuck will probably talk about in his- story, but I did this, a similar thing where I would email like the editor in chief of nylon as like a 15 year old saying like, listen, what do I have to do to get to where I, where you are? Um, and I think I realized, you know, it's, it's hard in Indiana to do that, but once social media came, I was able to turn the camera on myself in Fort Wayne, Indiana and make it happen. And that's one thing I love about social media that I want to keep about social media. Like a lot of YouTubers and influencers move to LA or New York because they feel like that's where it is. But to be honest, I think there's like such a cool opportunity to be able to stay in the city that you love and make it happen for yourself there. This studio, we're in my studio that I built in my apartment in Pilsen. And you know, like this works, like we can do this here. I didn't have to go to Brooklyn or LA, which are great places, but like, yeah, I, I completely agree that the internet, I think, has made it so that you don't have to be in a certain locale. Obviously, it can help in certain instances. But it like, helps based on your what your goals are. Right, like, I think, yeah. I think it depends on, like, if you want to go towards the more Hollywood, mainstream sort of route. I just don't think that's exciting. I really don't. I think that this is exciting, that I can produce whatever I want, and I can say whatever I want, and put it on the internet on my own without anyone, like, being a gatekeeper. Right. I mean, definitely... That dream has been a little distorted due to like YouTube demonetizing people and all the other drama that's going on um, in these spaces. But I still think it's a more viable place to start kickstart your career if you are somebody that maybe typically Hollywood wouldn't like put on air. Sure. So currently, you are you know you said that you kind of went off on your own to do your own thing in the content production space. Talk about Mm -hmm. kind of what that looks like. You know, what are your goals with that? What kind of content are you creating for yourself and for, you know, brands or sponsors? Yeah, it's definitely evolved over the past decade. I think in the beginning it was more of like, I was really interested in photography. I went to school for fine art photography um, and learned that technically through film as well as digital. So it was more of like a place for me to share my work at first. And then as time went on, I really enjoyed sharing my perspectives on the world and how I live my life and my ideas about imagery and media and advertising. And so nowadays, I think like a lot of my content is really trying to bring back this sort of authenticity or vulnerability to social media without necessarily like completely selling it out in a weird way because mm-hmm. it's weird like my algorithm now or at least like <laughs> it's like so hard to talk about it because it's such a black box but I think my algorithm now is like prioritizing and uh celebrating the sort of like vulnerable content because it's heavily engaged with right but I don't want that to determine how I create content like 
I don't want the algorithm to kind of encourage me in a certain way. Sure. No, because then you're just chasing trends. <laughs> exactly. And that's always a losing proposition. So it's like, how do I make sure that like I'm bringing this real part of myself to this channel without like necessarily just catering to what the algorithm wants me to do? Yeah. I think that's a big question for a lot of content producers in general yeah. right now, you know? Yeah. Because you're going up against like, you know, being shadow banned or not being seen mm-hmm. or... You know, like just all these things that in a perfect world, creators wouldn't have to worry about. They could just put their content out into the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, for you, what do you think has been, obviously, like you're successful at what you do. You have this success story in social media Mm -hmm. and you've had a lot of accomplishments working, you know, like you mentioned in the the agency world, working Mm -hmm. with clients on the agency side and independently. What do you think you have done right that maybe others have not been able to accomplish in the social space? Because it's tricky. It is tricky. And I mean, like, it's a combination of things. Like, to be honest, it's a lot about timing and luck. Like, first of all, like, that is all a part of the equation. But I mean, I think a lot of it has been just me not wanting to do, like, what I'm supposed to do. Right. (laughs) I guess. Like, I have in, in a degree. Like, I went to school. I felt like I had to do that. Take out the loans. You'd do it. Whatever. Right. But for a lot of things, especially, like, even my time at Havas was built around me being guaranteed that I'm going to be able to be who I want to be and do what I want to do. Like I had a boss who said that it was mandatory for me to keep up my social following and all my work while I was there and to prioritize that alongside client work. And that's, I mean, especially at the time that I was hired about like five years ago, that was unheard of. Like your employer would never allow you to take that time. I remember I worked at a radio station here called Q101 and I was, I would tell them about social media. I mean, this is so old, but it's like, I would tell them we need to be on MySpace and I, you know, Twitter Mm -hmm. came along and I was like, we need to be on Twitter. And I literally, I was the first one to create a, like a social profile for any part of the radio station whatsoever yes. for the show that I worked on and nobody took it seriously. Right. They really thought that I was like, you guys, the pretend internet's here. We should be <laughs> on this. And they're like, we're a multi-million dollar radio station. We don't need the fucking internet. Oh my you God, know? I know. And now it's like, yeah, but you're right. Like it wasn't always taken seriously. Right. Now, of course, it's the so only much. thing that anyone cares about. Like it's, it's crazy within the past year, even five years has gone by where there's now I will go on LinkedIn and I can see like a ton of different opportunities for content creators and social media managers. Five years ago, oh my God, that was like like unheard of. I I feel like I didn't have that. No, there wasn't any of that. No, and now there's a bunch of it. But I think there is the difference between people who walk the walk and truly like know social media versus people who will read about it and can talk about it and theorize about it. Well, sure. You could read, there's a billion guides, there's social media, wait, there's South by Southwest. You can Mm -hmm. consume all the tutorials in the world, but Mm -hmm. it's like if you don't have an authentic, meaningful connection there or anything meaningful to say, then, you know, yeah all the best, you know, times to post in the world is not going to mean anything. <laughs> That's like, that is a question people often ask me, like, when's the best time to post? And it's like, I have so many questions before that. that right. I need to yeah, ask yeah, you, yeah. like, why are you doing what you're doing? Who's your audience? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But, yeah. It's really funny. I teach a podcasting class. And the first question, almost every person who takes the class asks me is they're like, how do I make money doing this? And I'm like, you don't have a podcast yet. You don't have to worry about that. That's like a way later question. And also you don't. (laughs) Well, that's like, I think that's also the thing I hear when people ask me, like, how do I get followers? Because it's not about the follower. Like if I would have went into social media thinking that like this shit wouldn't have never happened. Sure. Of course. I was playing around experimenting and you know, a lot about timing and luck again, but it's been this obsessively fun thing for me. Uh, up until this point, um, <laughs> that that has led me to this point. Well, and I think that people, you know, have really connected with you and your presence and your story online because you're authentic. 
You know what I mean? Because I mean, that's my I try impression. To be. I, try, I do. I like, I feel like I have a tendency over oversharing and I, that's just like always been me. But and, people connect to that. There's, yeah. there's a real, I think right now we're at a point, at least in my opinion, where I think that there's a lot of people who are kind of done with the fake super just, you know, Kardashian. And I have a lot of respect for the Kardashians, but like yeah. just the, the Kardashian type of content where like everything is mm-hmm. so super perfect. Right. Now I think people want something a lot more real. Well, in a way I do think like, is that me? I think or, that's, oh, no, that's, you. that's me. That's <laughs> oh, embarrassing. Good. I was like, Oh no, is that's that me? me being like, I've never done this before. You're so popular. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like I've been kind of hesitant when I use the word fake or real because it's all real. Like, and, and I think that's something we have to be a lot more real about. Like, sure. Kardashian shit's real. They're killing it. Good job for you. Uh, they but, are killing it. But yeah. the real implication of that and the real ramifications of promoting diet teas and diet suckers, like and and body Flat images that are tea, unrealistic, sure. like that's more of like okay, let's talk about the, that reality. It's not fake, and I get why people call it fake, and I've even called it that too. But the digital world is as real as our physical world, and we need to start treating it as as such. This is getting very Matrix. I know. It really is. I it's love it. It's my entire it. life. Um, so for you now, as an independent content producer, as a creator, as your own brand, you know, who's an ideal client? What's an ideal kind of project? What are you looking for if somebody wanted to pitch you? These days, I am looking for any sort of company or nonprofit that is trying to make the world a better place in a real way. Sure. Um, usually a smaller organization. I find that organizations that are too large um, usually compromise something along the way, whether it be ethics and how they treat their employees, how they make their product. It just it just shouldn't be that way. But I, I tend to like to work with um, nonprofits and uh, especially c- companies that are supporting uh, women and like queer people. For instance, I, I got to work with a company that it's a startup and they provide access to birth control for women who um, might not have the financial means to get it or even like the sort of like doctor's office to go to. Mm-hmm. They deliver it directly to your door and I got to um, promote that on my Instagram and get paid for it. And that is kind of the most ideal work that I could do right now in this sort of like influencer world. Well, you're right. I mean, there's so many companies now where it's like every day it's being revealed that there's so many companies that are doing such... I mean, companies have always done unethical things. That's not new. But now it's at a different level. Like it was revealed that like Wayfair was like like providing beds for the, you know, child concentration camps. And it's like... (laughs) That's pretty bad. That's pretty fucked up. You right, know? Like, right. Well, I think like this is something that we see a lot with corporations today is that guilt is easily displaced because of how big it's become. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the CMO can po- just point to someone else and say, well, actually, that's not my job. It was their job. So I'm like, you know, excused from that. Blameless. It's yeah. constantly the blame is put onto everyone else so that it, no one ever, <laughs> Until ever Until it goes to it. the intern who's posting on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then that's when it <laughs> blows up and then they're all like, fuck. Right. <laughs> You also have been doing, uh, I've seen these events and like panels and things like that, right? Like talk about, you know, working in that space and what kind of events and conversations you're looking to curate. Yeah. I mean, like a lot of my work right now has evolved into a space of like digital wellness, but not necessarily the sort of like pseudo inspirational, like fake, like sort of supportive network, like that we see oftentimes when when we think about self-care or wellness. Like I'm really thinking about what we need to create 
users of social media to turn them more into people who truly understand their rights, their how their privacy is being used, how all of that's going down right now because it's such a profitable space and it's moving so quickly. Um, so I'm hosting events like How to Be on Your Phone and Not Hate Everything. I saw that and I, I loved the image <laughs> that was like it was in a te- like the flyer is like text message. You know, little bubbles conveying the information of the event. Thank you. Which I was, I thought, that. very clever. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I think like you know, trying to look at my a lot of like what I do now is trying to look at these like our phones and social media as environments that we live within to really kind of make it more of a personal thing. And I mean, selfishly, even maybe I'm trying to have these events so that I can hear from other people like how they're feeling because I'm not feeling good for the most part. I live my life on social media. I make my money from social media. I can't exactly opt out. And I don't think a lot of us can. So how the fuck are we all coping? Like, what are we going to do to make this better? Because it's not feeling good. Like it's okay. Like it's okay. But it's no, it's, it's not great. And (laughs) I've said this recently on the podcast, but it's like that gif of, uh, from community of Donald Glover walking into the room and he's got the pizza. Then he's quickly (laughs) realizes everything's on fire. And that's how I feel every day on social media. But I remember being at, like something like South by Southwest, like in, you know, the early 2010s going to like a private secret Kanye West show and, you know, tweeting about it on Twitter and having the best conversations and feeling like this is so cool. We're all at this party. Yeah. And oh, now yeah. it's just like everyone's a Nazi. Right. Yeah. Just which is like the worst Help. fucking. Yeah. <laughs> Log off. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with people becoming a little bit more digitally literate, um, which is the aim of a lot of these workshops that I'm hosting. I I hope to encourage people from programmers who are creating these tools to the everyday public who are using these tools to think about what's possible with technology, to know it's possible, and to be able to hold these companies um, like Facebook, Twitter, Amazon accountable and responsible for creating a better future for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's incredibly, um, not only noble, but just like essential. Like we need that happening. I think it's like, I mean, I think it's honestly one of the most fundamental issues because when you think about it, the way we get our information these days is through social media. Um, And that is such a terrifying like prospect to think how these companies that are completely unregulated Mm -hmm. can do whatever they want to try to make a profit and dispense whatever information it, like they want. So yeah, it's no regulation. It's we, we are in a, in a way in a different sort of wild west now um, that we are living through vividly and rapidly and we will look back on and probably be like, holy shit. This is going to be a very interesting chapter in the history books in 50 or 100 years. There are history books. Yes. If, if there the is a planet world, is alive. Right. I, I, <laughs> if there are people. It's so easy to get cynical with this stuff. Like that's what sucks. Like it's it's really hard it's easy to say like, shit, this is so overwhelming. Everything's going to blow up. And I mostly feel that. But I mean, I know like even from my experience with an advertising and seeing like from the inside of the belly of the beast, from seeing the power and the money and the resources that are there, it's all possible to move that around. You just have to convince the right people sure, or get in those positions of power. And, and so that's where I have a glimmer of hope from what I've been able to see from like my more like traditional advertising days. Well, and I think Gen Z is going to go in there and be a lot, they're going to have a lot more moral kind of backbone. I hope so. God, I hope so. I yeah. fucking knows. I mean, I don't know. Like we always say that with other generations, like, oh, the younger generation is going to save us. Like, I hope so. But I also don't know if they are only exposed to like growing up on Facebook and thinking all of this is normal. Right. Like, I don't know. It, like we have to do that work now. Yeah, no, I agree. 
this is fascinating, and I would love to, man, just continue this conversation for like five hours because <laughs> social media is such a like, I think everybody has such a strong opinion about it. Yep. But for you, if anybody watching, anybody listening, you know, they're younger, maybe they're starting out, maybe they look at what you're doing and where you are, the work you've done, and they want to become a producer, they want to become a YouTuber, they want to become a content creator, they want to work with brands. Like, what advice would you give for anybody who's starting out or wants to get started in a similar path to what you're doing? Maybe that people, you know, look at what you're doing and they just think, there's all these misconceptions about it. I think like really think about what your values are and what you have to say. Like that, that's always for me, like such a guiding force. If you're just trying to gain followers or, you know, I don't know. It's just like your motivation has to be different. And honestly, I don't know if that's like taught or like if that's no. innate, no. but for me, like that's been something that my sort of sense of values has been my compass and gives me maybe a false sense of confidence to continue to make or take the risks that I do and to like go the non-conventional route kind of. So I don't know. I think a lot of it has to do with becoming more digitally literate so that you can know how to make a difference. So you know how to be creative in a real way that is unlike what we're seeing right now. Um, And to take a break from it all too sometimes. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) It's essential. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anna said, there's so much we can cover. We talked already about like, cause a lot of times at the end of like the first interview, I'll be like, Hey, mm-hmm. we should do a panel. We've already talked about that, Yeah. but I think we should do a panel or a workshop or something. Um, because obviously there's so much insight that you have to share that I think a lot of people could learn an incredible amount from. Thank you. Um, my experience is kind of different, I guess. I think like having the sort of perspective from an influencer point of view, as well as somebody who was on the advertising support of you, like it's given me some sort of different niche perspective that I do like talking about and learning from other people too. I agree. I mean, when you mentioned the fact that doing these events, part of it is your own selfish kind of like, not selfish, but like, yeah, I mean, I'm here to learn. I like, I I just want to make a space so that I can hear how other people are coping because I need that shit. But that's why I do this podcast. Right. Because I'm like, oh my God, I get to pick the brains of like all the most interesting people who will answer my email. For me, that's just like, oh my God, it's like a little lottery every single week. So I love that kind of thing. That's awesome. This is incredible. What's the website where people can find what you're doing? Uh, Or what's the best platform for people to follow you on? Unfortunately, Instagram. Um, Anna Russett on Instagram. Um, AnnaRussett.com is my website. has all of my other links to social Mm -hmm. media on there. But, you know, trying to find other places to go outside of social media. So stay tuned. Yeah, I'll see you on TikTok, I guess. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anna Rosette, thank you so much thank for coming you. up, starting Thanks the conversation. And I'm glad we were able to lock this in after conversation for such a long time. Did it. Awesome. Awesome. Thank, thank you. you. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcasts. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the dynamic dynasty, Dynasty Descend.